Thanks for listening to the 242 Young Adults Podcast with Pastor Justin Corkum. Our prayer is that this message will be an encouragement to your life in Christ. God desires to do incredible things. How many believe that? Right? We, we believe that God uh, desires to do incredible things. God desired to do incredible things in your 2016, in your 2015, 14, 13. You get the picture here that every single day God has something incredible for you to do. And I think what happens is oftentimes we get wrapped up in, in our agendas. How many, like, how many ever got busy this year? Like this past year, 2016, things got kind of crazy. Uh, and, and some of the things that you wish you have done better didn't get done as well as you wanted them to because other things took precedence. And, and this is the beast that we fight. It's, it's busyness. You know, it's, it's being preoccupied with so many other things. Um, but I believe that, especially for this month, as we really focus in on, on prayer and, and fasting, I don't want it to just be for this month, right? Don't get me wrong. This is, this is going to be an awesome time for us to really focus in, but this is something that should extend past your January and into your year uh, of, of an intense pursuit of God. Uh, and, and that's what I'm praying that we start the year off uh, in a way where we really focus in on pursuing him like we've never uh, pursued him before. going to talk about prayer and fasting. How many are familiar with fasting? Okay, so a couple hands. So, so not, a, not every hand went up. So ultimately, you know, in a, just a straightforward, no strings attached, spiritually at least, Fasting is just not eating. Um, so what does that mean for us in a spiritual sense? Uh, I understand, you know, if fasting means I'm, I'm going without food, that's cool. Uh, but how does that equate to some sort of, of spiritual benefit to me? Uh, it's a very scriptural concept. It's found in the Bible. Uh, Jesus you know, one of the questions we ask as, as Christians sometimes is, why, why should I fast? Why should I even do that? Uh, Jesus fasted, um, and, and I'll sh- share real quickly the Greek word for fast in the Bible, uh, nestuo. There's a couple of them, but we're focusing in on this one. Uh, it says to abstain as a religious exercise from food and drink, either entirely if the fast lasted but a single day, uh, or from customary or choice nourishment if it continued several days. So basically the, the definition, the word for, for a spiritual fast in the Bible is this word they still, and it's, it's basically you fast for a day with no food, no water. All right, that's one. Or you abstain from customary or choice nourishment. You put yourself in a position where you, you know, aren't going to eat like you regularly would eat. Uh, for the for a spiritual purpose, and this word is used of Jesus when he was in the wilderness, uh, being tempted, and and he had fasted for that forty day period, and it was a spiritual purpose. Now, for me, I look at the Son of God, uh, the Messiah, uh, perfection. You know, God become man, dwelt among us, and he fasted and set the example. So I think that it's a really good reason for us to fast. And if it wasn't just by his example, Jesus said in Matthew uh, chapter 6, he, he, he expected us to fast. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, when you fast, there was an expectation, there was, there was an assumption that this would be a practice uh, of believers. When you fast. And, and so uh, I believe that this is a, a scriptural concept um, that's very applicable today. And I believe that it's powerful. I believe that, that it, is, uh, it, it is something that I think is oftentimes misconstrued, maybe even uh, taken the wrong ways. And I'm hoping tonight we can really clarify uh, a good understanding of biblical fasting and what that means for us as believers. Um, some of the different reasons, you know, 
uh, people fasted in the Bible. It's important to, I'll, I'll just kind of read some. You guys have some resources uh, available to you. Uh, I referenced Jensen Franklin. He has a lot of good material on fasting, um, so you have some of that before you. The examples I'm about to talk about and discuss, some of them are from the little bookmark that are with the packet that you guys have. Um, so one of the examples for reasons throughout Scripture for why we, we can fast and I'll read them very quickly since you have them. Uh, Ezra, in chapter 8 of the book of Ezra, he fasted for God's protection. Samuel, in 1 Samuel 7, uh, fasted for the revival of a nation. Elijah, he fasted for breaking the bondage of negative emotions in 1 Kings 19. The widow from Zarephath, she fasted for the sake of meeting others' needs in 1 Kings. Uh, uh, Paul on the road to Damascus, he had this encounter with Jesus, and after that, he fasted. And, and that was what I believe a fast for a, just a major life decision in, in his life. Everything that he thought was, was, was true, he had, he had, it had all been kind of like jumbled up when he experienced Christ, and he was seeking answers probably for some very big decisions that he was about to make in his life. John the Baptist took a Nazarite vow, what I would consider a life fast. He, he abstained from certain foods and, and you know, there's a couple other various things that he did as well. But that was for the sake of being you know, used by God to impact others around him in a greater level. Ether, uh, Esther fasted for protection against the schemes of the wicked. And, and there's, there's plenty of other examples as well of people in Scripture who, who fasted before God. And so what I'd like to do is we're going we're gonna to be looking at a passage of Scripture in Isaiah 58. And what I love about this passage is God pretty much spells out the type of fast that he's looking for um, in, in a person who comes before him and believers who seek his face. And so I'm hoping that we can all just really glean from this passage of Scripture tonight and, and that God will challenge us during these next 21 days. And we're going to have a time of Q&A um, after, afterwards. So if there are questions that you have throughout tonight, uh, you know, you can either want to write them down um, or, you know, on your phone or just keep them, you know, logged in your very large brains. Um, then we can talk about them at the end of, uh, of tonight. So the uh, prophet Isaiah begins, Isaiah chapter 58, he begins by saying, shout it aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion, and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. Many times in, in scripture, the prophets were used to bring rebuke to uh, the nation, to, for God to kind of uh, speak through the prophets to, you know, to, you know, shake up the people, kind of get them back on track. And curious, because oftentimes they'd be rebuked for something, you know, crazy bad, like idolatry, you know, worshiping other gods or sexual morality where, you know, they're committing, you know, this gross sexual sin um, and, and rebelling against God. But in this instance, the sins of Israel uh, was in regards to fasting, which is kind of crazy. Um, I'll give you a little background. At, at this moment, they are beginning to develop and, and, and get back into a structure of worship. Ritual fasts were becoming uh, the norm. And so they've reestablished worship, and it was their sole focus. And so, if you're like me, the first thing I will read would be like, well, why, why, is that a, why is that a bad thing? Why is, like, worship being your sole focus is a bad thing? At face value, it, it looks fine, but you realize that they were worshiping worship instead of worshiping God. Um, and, you know, we do it all the time whether we think we do or not, but we get into these ruts in our, in our Christian walk where we think, well, you know, I'm, 
I read my Bible, good Christian. If I, if I give, good Christian. If I pray, good Christian. Uh, you know, if I worship, uh, good Christian. And, and we begin to, to make the success of our Christianity based upon simple acts of worship, uh, a to-do list to check off. Did that, yep, did that, did that, ding, good Christian. Instead of actually knowing God. I mean, it becomes more about the things that you do instead of who you, you know. And we worship worship. And that's not what God desires for us. That's not what he desired for the nation of Israel. And starting off this year, I really, really, really desire for all of us to be unified on this, that, that our main focus for this year is to know him. Could you make that the theme of your year? Just to know him. It's not about, you know, it's not about anything else, but just simply getting to know Jesus. You know, we, we lose sight of relationships, and we're going to talk about the whole aspect of relationship throughout tonight um, as we go through this, because it's what grounds fasting. It's what keeps us, I think, in the right place. Relationship keeps us in the right place when we, when we start going to fasting. Uh, prayer, uh, yeah, anything, reading your Bible, um, just seeking God, giving. A, a relationship with God is what really keeps that uh, where it needs to be. So I want to talk about five truths uh, about prayer and fasting that I think will help us all uh, this month as we just seek the Lord and really focus in on, on just pursuing Him over the next 21 days. The first is prayer and fasting isn't about simply acting righteous. All right, so let's continue on in our passage, starting at verse 2, after he says, you know, tell the people of their sins. He says, yet they act so pious, they come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. I think it's so important for us to realize that God, He sees past our actions. Just like I was saying before, you know, yes, reading your Bible or praying, you know, entering in worship or giving to God and uh, you know, even fasting before God, uh, these are all actions that are amazing. These are all things that are great. Um, but if it's, if it's just an action and our heart is not where it needs to be, I think that oftentimes God looks past our actions and He looks at our heart. The reason why we do it, not that we do it. You know what I mean? And so Israel here, you know, looking at them, they, they were in church every day. You know, they, they were praying, they were fasting, they were reading the Bible. They were learning about God. They seemed like they really wanted God. And if somebody was from the outside looking in, they'd say, wow, those guys are just, those are amazing. Those are some amazing Christians right there. They seemed like they wanted a close relationship with him. Like they were living and healthy on the outside, but they were malnourished and decaying on the inside. It, it's like a, you know, it's like a, like a tree. Or uh, you, ever, you ever like thought that there's just like, you know, I, we had a tree and... One of our homes in Missouri, you think it's like this crazy, strong, amazing tree, but it's totally dead on the inside. Um, and it's like, wow, sometimes I feel like outside appearances, you can fool a lot of people. Uh, but God sees through a lot of that. God's more concerned about uh, your heart, the motive for why you do what you do. And so that's so important when we come before God 
and fast before him because it's tempting to think that you know, us coming to him and fasting before him is going to be what makes him happy. But I'll tell you what makes him happy more than anything is your heart and your desire for why you're fasting. That's what pleases the Lord. And, and that's where I'd say, again, it comes back to relationship. It comes back to you saying, God, I want to know you deeper than I ever have in my life. I want to, to know you in a way that I've never known you before. I want this to be real. I want this to, to be a, a, a day-by-day relationship. And when that's the driving force, when that's what's, uh, what's pushing you forward, when that's the reason why you, you're doing what you're doing, God sees that. And he's more pleased with that than, than the physical act uh, of fasting. It's about your heart. And we'll see that uh, in, a, in a deeper uh, way in just a moment. I look at uh, even just bringing up a relational example, just looking at my, my wife, right, and, and me. We have a relationship. Um, and if someone, you know, was to tell me, or maybe I read in a book, you know, I, you know, you should, you should tell your wife she's beautiful. You should, uh, you should buy her a gift and you should tell her that you love her. You know, so I'm reading this in a book or, you know, a friend of mine tells me I should do it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, so I, I, I do it just because the book told me to do it. And that all of those things are great, right? Those are great things to tell my spouse or, or to, you know, a gift to give to my spouse. It's great. But what if my wife knew that the only reason I told her that I loved her, the only reason I bought her that gift, the only reason I told her she was beautiful was because I read it in a book and I did it because the book told me to do it. Kind of like really lessons. How many ladies would be like, eh, okay. It's like, okay. Yeah. What was the name of that book? <laughs> you know, and uh, and so I think you get a picture there of relationally what God cares about. He cares about the reason for why you do things more than the things that you do. So, second thing, and I'm going to try to be somewhat concise tonight. We are already at point two. I just want to point that out. We are at point two of five. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, it's not a three-point sermon tonight. You guys can relax. There's five, five things. So, uh, so yeah, maybe we'll be here for an hour or two. Um, kidding, kidding. Prayer and fasting isn't about simply what we want. Simply is the key word there, uh, and we'll talk about this in a little bit more detail. Verse 3 says, we fasted before you. They say, why aren't you impressed? Why have you, uh, we've been rather very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice. Now first, let me address, there's no denying that fasting and prayer moves the heart of God. We see that in scripture. I mean, through, I mean, I gave you like nine or ten examples of different people uh, in, in the Bible who sought the face of God. They fasted before him and, and you saw God come through in such incredible ways. Uh, there's no denying that fasting moves the heart of God. So for those that maybe are here and you are seeking God's will to be accomplished in your life, you're seeking uh, healings or deliverances uh, for people that you know or a provision. Uh, be encouraged because God is moved when you pursue after him. The problem is that we are very tempted to use things like fasting, uh, things like you know, just w- worship in general, as, as means of twisting God's arm. In the sense of, well, God, you know, I read my Bible today, so uh going to do something for me? You know, I, I, helped that, I helped that lady over there, so bring it on. Uh, oh, I'm fasting before you, so, uh, so, you know, you should do what I want you to do. 
And you get into that sort of like God is a genie sort of thing where you kind of just sort of demand what you need from him when you need it. And uh, fasting doesn't indebt God to you. All right? If anything, there is nothing you can do <laughs> to not be indebted to God. Uh, he's already done so much for you. Uh, you fasting isn't going to be like, ha, you died on the cross for me, but, uh, but now I fasted, so you owe me. How ridiculous that sounds. But here the people were saying, we fasted before you, why aren't you impressed? We've done all of these things, but you're ignoring us. The attitude in their heart, it was more about... <laughs> what they wanted than what God wanted. It's about seeking what he desires for your life, not about changing his mind to what you desire for your life. That makes sense. There are many people, and you know, I've conversations with people before, and well, I fasted, I prayed, it didn't work. Well, who, whose results were you looking for? Because there are times where well, I fasted and, you know, it just it didn't work. This was, was it because you had a certain thing in mind that was going to happen? Uh, you had planned it all out. You had it taken care of. You told God what he needed to do and that was it. You know, and this is, and this is the mentality. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, there's a balance here because obviously God knows the things that are heavy on your heart. God knows the things that, that are, are, you know, because there's a lot of, of things, whether it be family or, or, you know, friends in your own life, you, there are burdens in your heart for those people, and I'm not making light of that at all. Um, but there are times when people seek God for things that, just nuts. Um, and that's, you know, there's no other way like around it. And then they, and they think that they can manipulate him. And this is what I'm speaking to more than anything, is that idea that, you know, you can make God do what you want him to do for you through fasting. And that's the, that's the main thing that I really want to debunk and to address. Uh, fasting is not your, your magic lamp. <laughs> your wish is my command. You know, that, that's not what fasting is. Um, and so, one of the things that I would encourage you to do, especially uh, during times of fasting, just get into the Bible. Get, get to know His promises for you, because that alleviates so much pressure. When you begin to pray uh, and seek God's face for His promises, and, and the promises that are already provided in His Word, uh, then you can have confidence in praying for those things, and knowing that you already are praying for God's will to be done. Sidebar, prayer and fasting, all right? This is not just simply 21 days of fasting. If you are just giving up food and not praying, you are just being anorexic, all right? This is more than just a, a, a diet. It's more than just, hey, 21 days of not eating regularly or not eating food, I'm going to lose a bunch of weight. This is not a diet, all right? It needs to be coupled with prayer. Fasting without prayer is nothing. It's you starving your body. That's, that's basically, that's all that it is. So prayer is what drives this forward. I think about it this way, and, and I'll, I'll end simplicity. The, the moment and the time that I would use to please my, my flesh by eating, I am now going to take time and to give it to God and to seek Him. Right? So if I'm fasting three meals a day, then in the morning when I usually would eat breakfast, I will take a moment and to pray before God and to seek his face, to lift up maybe a need or a person or someone to him. At lunchtime, when I would usually eat, the idea is a denial of what we even need, right? It's, it's necessary. Food is necessary for us. And it's a statement before God to say that I care more about you moving, about you having your way in my life that I care about something as important as food. And I think that that heart is what moves God. Seeing that desire is what moves the hand of God. So prayer and fasting is not simply about what we want. 
Point number three, prayer and fasting isn't effective without obedience. In verses three to five, it says, and he's responding now. They just said to him, remember, they said, God, we fasted for you. You're ignoring us. Why aren't you impressed? And so this is God's response, speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He says, I'll tell you why. I respond, it's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself uh, with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? Israel was at a point in, in their walks with God where they wanted his blessing without walking in obedience. They wanted him to, to, to cover and, and to bless you know, everything that they were doing, but they didn't want to walk in righteousness before God. They were mistreating people and they were living selfishly. And let me tell you, and we're going to see this in a moment even more, but man, God cares about people. He cares so much about people. God responds to them saying, man, do you really think this is going to please me? You're seeking my my blessing, but you're you're not even taking care of the people who are around you? You're mistreating your, your brothers and your sisters in Christ? We've got to recognize the importance of obedience when it comes to fasting. I think for us, it's, I mean, this is prevalent today. I mean, there are so many people that want to see God bless them, uh, but, there are, but there are things in their own lives that they'd rather hold on to. You know, oh God, I want you to, to bless me financially, or I want you to provide, you know, for me. I want you to protect me, but, you know, gosh, I'll never, I'll never forgive that person. Oh, I can't even believe what they did to me. You know, I, I, oh, I, you know, I, I know God says I should forgive, but there's no way, no way. Uh, or, or maybe it's a, uh, God, I, I just really, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but man, I just like it so much, I think I'll keep doing it. Me and my wife, we, uh, and, and Alex, we, uh, we went on Craigslist. We were kind of, uh, we were in one of those like weird, ever getting to this like, if you had a million dollars, what would you do? And so, you know, we were in one of those discussions and my wife's like, I buy a house, I buy a second car. And my wife doesn't sound like this, by the way. And she's like, and I bought a tree climber. And then she was like, Alex, go online and see if we can find a tree climber. And, uh, and so Alex went online. She went to Craigslist, and we found, like, one. And it was like, oh, we got it. But then we didn't have it. Then we found another one. And we're like, oh. And then we talked him down to, uh, to 300 bucks. A tread climber for 300 bucks. And we were like, wow, victory in Jesus. At a party. And uh, so we went, and we picked it up, brought it home. There's a point to this. There's a point to this. You guys are like, what is he talking about? So we get it upstairs after much labor, intense labor. I think it was like 400 pounds. So uh, kudos to the girls. They were amazing. Uh, they did it all by themselves as I watched. And I uh, was kidding. I helped. And so we set it up. Needless to say, my son is in love with this tread climber. Like he wants to tread climb it all the time. Like, wow. So he sees how it works, and he's like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I want to try it. And, uh, you know, so it's got those, like, hydraulic, like, treads. So uh, they call them treadles. It's a tread pedal. Treadle. Anyway, so they have these, these treads that, like, you know, they go up and down on, on you know, the, the hydraulics. And so for me, this is now a big Judah, don't touch. All right? Don't touch this. Because if your finger gets stuck in between there, 
the hydraulic, if your ankle, oh my goodness, son, you, you do not even know. And so this is, what, this is what I am explaining to my son. And so he looked at me and said, yes, father, absolutely. Anything that you see, no, he didn't. He jumped right back on that thing and, and he started to, to run on it. Dada. And I'm like, dude, what did daddy say? You, you could hurt yourself, but get off of that thing. If I was to say, after multiple times of him not listening to me and getting on the tread climber, I think, what, what, would be the, what would you say the necessary response would be? Time out. Some form of discipline to say, hey, you can't keep doing this. It's not okay with dad to, you, to, to be on this thing. I don't want you to hurt yourself. So I need to, to show you that it's not okay. Now, society today, and, it's, and it sounds ludicrous, but society today would say, give him a cookie. Give him a cookie because he's on the tread climber. You said not to be on the tread climber. He got on the tread climber. Give him a cookie. And you're like, what? The society today will tell you that it's okay to not walk in obedience with God. You know, that God will still reward you even though you're doing things that are contrary to the word of God, that are contrary to the things that he's placed in your life to protect you, to the things that he wants you to be walking in so that you don't hurt yourself. But we think that we're big enough to disobey, that we can walk in places that we shouldn't go. We should go and do things that we shouldn't do, but we've got it under control, God. We can take take care of it, and then we think that we should get a cookie for doing things that we're not supposed to, that we think that God should still bless us even though we're going against what his word says, the very thing that he's placed in our life to protect us from, from hurt, from pain. And we make these decisions based on what we want, and we still want to see God Sort of blesses. How many have seen that that mentality, uh, you know, in in the ch- even in the church of where it's you know I can I can so- it's like the line that that classic example right of of the whole thing where we want to sort of have a foot in the world and a foot in 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 Jesus right and 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 we kind of get that the whole Miley Cyrus thing going on best of both worlds right. Yeah, you guys know that song. <laughs> I used to watch the Disney Channel. I'm all right. Where you get that whole idea of, well, I can get what I want from the world, and I can get what I want from God, and I can marry it together. It'll be perfect. It'll be fine. But that's, that's not how it works. What, what God desires from us is, is obedience, and it's for our own protection. It's so that we can walk in right standing with him. Does it make sense? Because I, I, I feel like sometimes God has given me a child and, and through this relationship with my child and me, I've begun to see sort of the, the how ludicrous some, some of the worldview uh, of people today is. How, how crazy it is uh, that, that you could think that you could be completely disobedient to God but still walk in, in his blessing to still, you know, merit like a cookie. You know, it, it, all of this theology has been, has been condensed to cookies and M&Ms and, and child stuff. But it makes so much sense to me, and I hope it, it, it makes sense to you. I just, uh, more than anything, and I don't say it in a condemning way, please understand that, that I want God to bless you. That's really my heart right now. I want God to do things beyond your expectation, beyond your imagination. I want, I want God to to do that in your life. Um, and oftentimes, you know, we go back to the whole I fasted but it didn't work thing. Even maybe you've, you've experienced, you know, something in your life where you expected God to do something but he didn't. There are a lot of people who would be in the position where they'd expect God to do something uh, when they are holding out, holding on to things and, and refusing to, to let go. Uh, and 
it's so important that we recognize how not just in prayer and fasting as we seek God's face, but in any aspect of our relationship with him. Obedience is, is so key. You know, scripture says with obedience comes the blessing and with disobedience comes the curse. And that's something that we have to recognize, the importance of obedience in our relationship with God. And it kind of goes back to the whole not about what we want thing. And it's, it's kind of ridding that, I guess, that selfish nature within us uh, to, to be consumed with, with what we want. So I would just encourage you, you know, tonight, if there are things in your life that you need to get right before God. You know, if you need to seek God for forgiveness, if, there, if there's anything that you need uh, to get straight between you and God, do it tonight. Start this year off on the right foot. Start this year off getting things, getting the most important things right. Amen? Number four, prayer and fasting is about aligning our hearts with God's. It continues on in verse 6. It says, No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless, give clothes to those who need them, and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Again, notice how concerned God is with people. Verses three to five, he talks about how they've they've mistreated people, that they haven't handled relationships with people correctly that they've been selfish in their relationships with people. And now, he's giving them how he wants them to treat people. He wants them to be advocates of justice to those who are wrong, to be people who lighten the burdens of those around them, to be a person who brings freedom to others, to be a generous individual, to share your food, to give shelter, to give clothes, to help your family. I think in 1 John, the Apostle John really supports this. In verse 20, he says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Isn't that a concept? That if we can't love flesh and blood right next to us, neighbors, right, people that we know, brothers and sisters in Christ, if we can't love flesh, people, we can see them. We can touch them. How are we going to love God who we can't see? In Jewish thought, it's it's often believed how you love other people is how you love God. That you show your love for God by how you love people. That you express love to God by how you love people. And this, I mean, John, John's statement completely supports that. God is concerned for people. And let me tell you, God's heart is for people. And, and if, if you can align your heart with God's, this fast, can I encourage you, don't just make it about you. Don't just make it about things that are going on in your life. Don't just make it about, you know, things that you want to see. As you align your heart with God, God's heart is for people. And and I believe that as we fast and as we seek the face of God, God desires to do some incredible things in in the lives of individuals in your families, uh, in, in your friends around you, people that God has placed in your life. He desires to work through you. And could I just encourage you, take these 21 days as you seek God, as you pray and fast before Him, seek the face of God for people. People in your life that need the love of Jesus. People in your life that, that are, are downcast. People in your life, you know, when you look at, at the list 
that God gives. Freeing those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lightening burdens for the people who work for you. Letting the oppressed go free. Removing chains that bind people. Sharing your food with the hungry. Shelter for the homeless. Clothes for those who need them. And not hiding from relatives that need help. Do you see the people that God desires for you to minister to are people who need hope. People who are in, in, in dire circumstances. And God has placed each and every one of you here. On the earth. Not so much in this room. But I mean, you're here right now listening, so that's good. But I mean, He's placed you here to make a difference. He's placed you here to meet those needs. To find those people that need to experience the love of Christ. There's work to be done. And God wants to use you to do it. In greater feats than you could ever imagine. And, and one of the things that we will be driving home this year is going to be you getting a bigger vision for your life. That you begin to expect greater things from God. Because I know for me, I expect God to do incredible things. And I know you hear me talk about it and you probably get annoyed, but there will be a day where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young adults will gather in this building to worship the Lord, will gather in this building and then go out and be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and God is going to use this group to be a catalyst not only in this church, but in this city, and that we're going to see people saved, we're going to see people healed, we're going to see demons cast out, we're going to see people who are lame walk, we're going to see the blind see, because I have great expectation for what God desires to do in this group. And I want you to begin to get a bigger picture for your life. That God just doesn't, hasn't confined you to go to a school somewhere or, or to work some job and then, you know, that just be it. But that God has a plan for you, a purpose for you to do something greater, something that's beyond yourself, something that is only able to be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that it's when we seek the face of God, when we remove the distractions, the things that keep us focused on, on just anything but God, when we take those things away, when we seek Him, and I think this time of prayer and fasting is a, a time where we can narrow our focus to really pursue after God. And like I said, it's not just a 21-day thing, but that it continues throughout our year as we seek His face. He's going to begin to do things in you that you couldn't even imagine. Some of you might think that it's impossible to lay your hands on someone who's sick and to see them recover right there immediately. But let me tell you, God desires to use you in that way. Why? Because God desires for the kingdom of God to advance. God desires to, to, to build the kingdom of heaven. And he wants to use you to do it. And I believe that this time as we seek God's face, you know, I've said this before, my dad always told me I have as much as, of God as I want. There's no end. There's no limit to how much God I can have. It's just dependent on how much God I want. And oftentimes we hit this level where it's like, feel good. Solid. We're good. I got enough. Just park here for a little bit. Liking it. It's good. It's a good feeling. And, uh, and we get complacent. Can I tell you, never be satisfied Always be chasing God. Always be pursuing Him. And I'm preaching that to myself. You know, it's easy. It's easy to get into a, a complacent area. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted by things in your life. Let me tell you, the enemy, he's clever. He knows for a lot of you that, you, you know, you're not going to go out and just completely reject Christ and deny Him and walk away. But you know what? If he can keep you distracted on things uh, that are in front of you, that keep you from doing the work of God, well, that's just as good. He wants to render us powerless and ineffective in building the kingdom of heaven. But I think that there's a focus that comes in prayer and fasting. Sorry, I said I was going to be short, and then I, then I wasn't. So uh, this all leads to a promise 
as a person seeks God with proper motives, it's not just about acting righteous, but when their heart is pure before God and they really desire to see God move, when, when prayer and fast, it's not just about what they want, but they seek God's will and they desire for God's will to be accomplished in their situation, when they walk in obedience to what God's word says and they desire to please God, and when they align their hearts with God and when they have a heart for people, you begin to see the fifth principle come through, that God rewards those who sincerely pursue him. There's a reward for those who sincerely pursue God. Verses 8 to 9 says, Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will heal quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. In this passage, just two little verses and, and, and five promises, probably more, but, but five promises that I noticed just right off the gun. First, salvation. Salvation is promised for the person who seeks the face of God, who pursues after him, that there's salvation promised to you. Do you know that you can seek the Lord for the salvation of your family members? That you can seek the Lord for the salvation of your friends, and he's promised that that salvation is going to come for you. He says, healing. Your wounds will quickly heal. That there's a promise of healing. If there's an ailment in your body, if there's an ailment in, in somebody that you know, that you can bring that before God during this time. You can seek his face and that he is going to bring a healing touch upon your body or upon somebody that you know. Guidance. I love that it says your godliness will lead you forward. You know that as you walk in right standing with God, that he just naturally opens up the path for you, that as you let God lead your life, you'll begin to see him guide you forward. That as, as you walk in line with his word, you don't have to really worry about, where am I going? Because your godliness is going to lead you forward. Protection. The Lord, the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. It's a promise of God to walk in his protection. And think about this, the last one. The Lord will answer, yes, here I am. He will quickly reply. God promises an answer to prayer. God desires to reward you. And, and I, don't want, I don't want to undersell this point because God desires to move in your situation. God desires... Um, to accomplish his will in your life and in the situations that you have. And I don't know, maybe you have, but I want you to start thinking about it now. But if there are things in your life that, that you know you want to lift up to God over these next 21 days, either to be thinking about them now, um, to begin writing them down, to begin pondering on them, take, take you know, the rest of the, the evening tonight and, and really begin to just write down the things that you want to see God accomplish. Now again, the attitude of not what you want, but that God would accomplish what he wants in your situation, all right? And that you begin to seek his face for his will to be done in, in, in these situations in your life, amen? And that's where, again, knowing the word of God, knowing the promises of God, then you know what already here, salvation, healing, guidance, protection, answers to prayer. Those are five promises in his word that he's already given to you that you can begin to stand on confidently and pray, the, pray to the Lord for. And there are so many more promises in Scripture. So, you know, for the need that you're facing, begin to build promises in Scripture that you can just remind God, that you can pray through, that you can even cling to for yourself. Hebrews eleven six says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You don't think God desires to do incredible things in your life? He absolutely does. And as you pursue him, he wants to reward you. He wants to set you up for success. Matthew 6, 
Going back to that again, 17 to 18. Again, Jesus is saying, but you, when you fast, again, pointing to that expectation, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He will reward you. So I just want to take a moment. Can we just pray? Can we give this month to God? Can we just ask for His will to be accomplished? And that He would begin to just truly move our hearts for Him. Because I'll tell you what, you have as much of God as you want. So my question is, how much of God do you want? How much do you want to see Him work in your life? And, and if it's, you know, because what happens is we want to hold on to so many things. The more we want of God, the more we have to let go uh, of things in our life. And, and we, can't, we can't be, you know, in one world and, and trying to, to hold on to both. You can't be, you know, holding on to, to bitterness or to things in your own heart and, and, and want more of God. And as, you, as you seek more of Him, it, it's, like, it's like opening your hand, right? So if you've got so many things that you're holding on to, right, the more that you, you know, look to God, like, and the more that you want of God, it's like, it's like this opening of the hand. Where you're like you've, you're forced you're like forced to let go of those things that you've been holding on to, um, in order to get more of God. We hope that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more about 242, you can email Pastor Justin at jcorkum at manchesterassembly.org. You can also tweet us at 242nh. Again, that's T W O 42nh. Or on Facebook, you can look us up under 242 Young Adults. We look forward to your feedback, and we'll see you next time.